Hello, Steve. Good morning How to you. you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Should I'm I just carry on fine. in this stream of consciousness? Yeah, let's keep talking so we're talking over each other. What an amazing podcast we have. Oh, so, um, yeah, how are you doing, Steve? What's been going down? Um, what's been going down? Um, I don't know. It feels like the weather's turning a bit. It feels like a little autumnal after the... Autumnal. Autumnal. We're into the, September. The season of death, as you like The summer's come and gone. I've not been here for about the past three weeks because I went on the Yeah, you've been holes. slacking off. I keep trying to arrange a podcast and you keep fobbing me off with some picture of you sat around a campfire or having a glass of wine somewhere. Yeah, like ha- actually having a holiday. How dare you? <laughs> Academics don't have holidays. It was lovely. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. I've been all around. I went to Sweden for nine days and then yeah. I've been been walking around on the Ridgeway with a friend and I've been on Purbeck roasting marshmallows over an open campfire. Nice. Yeah, it's been lovely watching satellites. There's a lot of satellites these days, dude. I'm just watching them overhead, huh? There's a lot more than in my day. There's loads of them. This way, that way. You just put your head, look up in the sky. It take you about 10 seconds to see another satellite. They're well, all you, over the shop. Have you, did you hear Elon's announcement about that's Starlink? Who I, that's who I was going to blame, Elon Musk. <clears throat> but have you seen Starlink 2.0? Is, are you sure you're not talking about the next James Bond film? No. Starlink so, 2.2. Yeah, so so Starlink 1.0. Is this when a load of kind of crystal <laughs> neurotoxin-filled balls are distributed? <laughs> Begin the commencement of phase two. <laughs> before all of the Aryan tribe travel to the stars. Yeah, there's lots of like slow shots of a little of a of a um uh, of like a satellite opening and a death ray oh. coming out. No, what's he, so Starlink, what's he doing this? Th- th- idiot well, what's he doing now yeah i mean how dare he so starlink 1.0 is the kind of global um internet satellite network that that, right. that elon popped up in the sky so now anywhere on planet earth you can get like broadband internet speeds um by buying like a little um satellite dish and pointing it upwards right Typically, what, about our, what about our brains steve <laughs> the radiation's mincing our brains up that's true, what about yeah. that you, Who's you get, thought about the consequences do you know what? of letting this millionaire run it's, them up? It's okay He's probably pumping vaccines into our bodies <laughs> as we speak. It's fine. You can just wear a tinfoil hat and it will filter out the waves. That's what yeah, you can actually, do. That's a good question. We should do that. How Would you be able to get rid of those waves with a tin? I think you'd need yeah. more than tinfoil, wouldn't you? But, um, probably not, actually. It depends. Um, anyway, right. so Starlink 1, you need I a little... I did hear about this, by the way, because there was a story about cruise ships you can have the internet on a cruise ship so i've been reading saga what the, what the, the hell are you doing i'm thinking about going on a cruise ship <laughs> i don't i don't hate cruise ships i never want to go on you well, know? i probably would enjoy it but okay. i've never been on one and i have no desire. anyway but it was in the news mate it was in the news that's how i that's how i know <laughs> don't you want to know about 2.0 right 1.0 just high speed internet 2.0 works with mobile phones so they're rolling out the second version so 5G. there will no, no well, it's be about 5g it's different technology right but right. what that means is there will be no dead spots anywhere on planet Earth. What a horrific, horrific thought. Absolutely yeah, horrifying. Th- think about when you were going for a walk and you fought, you fell off and you know you fall off some ridge and you and you fall down and break your leg and you pick up your phone to call for help and you and there's no there's no uh, reception. Then the battery be might be run. The battery might be run out anyway. <laughs> So how's he going to sort that battery problem? What's he going to do? Charge our batteries? I like the space? idea that yeah, that every every single problem of human society is Elon's <laughs> fault, and it's his responsibility to change it all. Oh God! Anyway, so yeah, that's that's interesting. Thanks for telling me that. I did not know that. that it's quite exciting factory. though, isn't it? Like it's one of those things that like I think 
we won't you don't really think this is like oh it's just the next generation thing but when you have it you'll talk to your children nick about how your mobile phone didn't used to work everywhere you know what this sort of thing just makes me want to escape planet earth and live on another that's planet. right elon solved that too Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Petri, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting, Sick, Steve, how you doing? (laughs) Yeah, all right. I'm I'm experimenting with Cook Cafe at the moment. Cook Cafe, what's that? Uh, In Sweden, I went to Sweden. In Sweden, Mm. they 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 boil coffee in the pot like large uh, granules in a pot and just boil it and then leave it to settle and then pour it out of the pot. Right. And I think it's nicer than like cafetier. Cafetier, is that the right word? Is that what cafetier. people say these days? Was that an 80s term? Cafetier coffee. Ca- cafetier. Cafetier. French yeah. press. Yeah, okay. All right, America. Uh, anyway, so I've been experimenting um, with that. I can't remember what the point of that is. You don't drink was. much coffee, do you? Not really, no. Only okay. when I'm desperate. If I have to go to like a scientific meeting or a panel pretend meeting, you, pretend you care. Panel meeting, I'm constantly wired. I'm, I'm sort of a balance between coffee, alcohol, and chamomile tea. So that some kind of like higher but balanced yeah, equilibrium. There's an equilibrium <laughs> which is above my current equilibrium, but which is also balanced. You sort of have to keep yourself in that that area. Oh, it sounds like exhausting, Nick. Well, yeah. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Those meetings are really boring sometimes. <laughs> anyway, does anyone, dude. Does anyone ever say that at the meeting? They go, I'm just sorry. This is really boring. I'm just going to have oh. to go. <laughs> uh, not, some people just, they don't say that explicitly, but I'm sure that's what they're thinking when they walk out the door. Right. I want to talk to you about thermodynamics. I mean, outwardly, not the most interesting sound. How subject. dare you? <laughs> Okay, tell me about thermodynamics. It's extremely important, Nick. I'm going to ask you a question. Right. When I light a match, why doesn't the atmosphere burn off? Um, Because... Why don't I set fire to everything? I think it's because, like, what's burning is the carbon in the match is oxidising, so only a little bit of that will sort of be ejected in the vicinity of the match and react with the oxygen to produce the energy. So it's actually the... The air can't just burn by itself. Um, but why doesn't it? Why doesn't the trees and the all of the other carbon and everything else just spontaneously explode? Because you'd have to put the match a bit more closely to it, so a bit of that bit goes close to the trees and everything, right? Isn't that the reason? And that that's partially a reason, but there were kind of the the the, the under. Don't ask reason. me. Don't ask me. If you don't want, if you don't <laughs> want bad answer, don't ask bad question. <laughs> yeah. Well, the answers that are to do with thermodynamics, right, and kinetics, right. So. So thermodynamically, we know it's the kind of it's the study of heat transfer. But 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 kind of chemists talk about thermodynamics of, you know, is it more like is it possible that the 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 elements in the match would rather be carbon dioxide and water than than wood and um uh, the the carbon and the oxygen in the air? The and the answer is yes, Steve, because if, if they if, need to if, get over a little hump, don't they? Little they hump. do. Little hump activation energy that I remember. So, yeah, there you go. Lumpo in. Kick him over the hump, down the other side. So keep that's, it going. that's the answer to the question is that they It's just like don't sucking have... on a. It's like, like your petrol in the, in the tank. You get a hose, 
It won't pour out the tank. Give it a little, give it a little suck. Put the hose; it'll all come pouring out. Exactly. So that little barrier is called an activation energy, and that's why. So there is an activation energy to set the entire atmosphere on fire. It's just much larger than that of a match. All oh, right. Wouldn't something right. have to burn though? Like yeah, but there's lots the of the atmosphere stuff to can't burn. All oh, right. So the trees. There's carbon dioxide like in the air, and there's oxygen in the air. Like, right. Carbon yeah. dioxide won't burn though, will it? It's already oxidized. Well, well, there's, can't, there's, can't there's, be oxidized anymore. That's not true. You can oxidize carbon dioxide. Can't burn carbon dioxide. You, of course you can. To what? Was well, it burned? Elemental. So you can. It's got a heat of enthalpy. So you can. You, you can work out the energy change from its constituent elements. Isn't that like it requires energy in rather than it's not energetic? Yeah, that's how you work energy. out how much energy. Anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay. th- th- there's multiple sources of fuel, right, right. as well as oxygen, right? right. Lots, yeah, and so and so one one could burn, the, the one could um, could set the atmosphere on fire if you had a sufficiently high. I mean, trees, right? Right. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, like a nu- like a big nuclear bomb. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That would do right? the job. But anyway, I wanted to think. So I was thinking about the kind of like when is um, you know. Uh, like so, obviously the match is one example of when an activation energy is really important. But I was thinking about something the other day that came up, and it kind of it, it dawned on me. So, you know, when you're um, so so another area where you wouldn't want oxygen around because of like right. burning stuff is on an airplane, right? Uh, so you don't, want, yeah. you don't you don't want oxygen floating about in, a, in an airplane if there's a particularly if there's a fire on the airplane, right? No, not but you need to you need a bit to breathe, don't you? But yeah, you don't want too much of it knocking around. <laughs> In, you know, in case you know, when you light your cigarette, the whole thing goes up. Well, in the, so but they used to. So, so but you know, obviously, when you know, you get the little um, uh, safety briefing, you get the little air mask that drops down in the case of emergency, and you put yeah. it on, and you can breathe. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was like, well, where does the oxygen for that come from? Because a you tank. wouldn't want to. No, a tank. No. Where Where do you think it comes from? So, so it is a tank. It used to be a tank in some <laughs> airplanes. So in a DC ten yeah. and an IL ninety six, they used to have oxygen canisters on. But right. you can imagine that's a bomb, right? If you've got a fire on an airplane, you don't want a massive oxygen tank that could be that could be um, susceptible to, to quite to reactive. Burning. Yeah, quite yeah. reactive. So oh, where's it come so, from? Is... So you could be, you know, the, the alternative is like, oh, we could make the oxygen tank really thick, and then it makes it really heavy, and then you've got to carry this heavy tank everywhere. So oh, what they right. actually use is they use these um, these a chemical oxygen generator. So it's actually oh, right. a chemical reaction, right? Really? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and so this is how you kind of basically stop the plane turning into a giant fireball. So those, mox- the, the, those oxygen masks aren't actually holding oxygen. They start generating it when they have a piece of activation energy. And that activation right. energy is a little firing cap in there that, that essentially burns sodium chlorate to release oxygen and sodium, uh, table salt. But it needs a bit of activation energy. And so it's got a little firing cap. And how do you activate the firing cap? Give it a it's good pull, Steve. Exactly that little tug. <laughs> So when they say tug the the oxygen to start the flow of oxygen, that's exactly what you're doing. You're pulling really? a little ca- firing cap so that starts the chemical reaction. What's the chemical again? It's sodium chlor- uh, chlorate. So that will decompose to sodium chloride and oxygen gas. Exactly. Wow. And then you can breathe. You know what? That is really interesting. So the sodium, what is it called again? Chlorate. Chlorate. Yeah. Is that like a powder then or something? Yeah, exactly. Or? It's a powder. And obviously it's a little, it's designed, it, there's a few other bits and pieces in there. It's designed to be as efficient as possible. And it will burn for about 10 to 20 minutes. So after well, you pull what it. If you, but what happens if it's... Well, what? that's the beauty of it. If you're, if you're in an emergency, you get down quick, down to, the, ah, down, down right. to a point at yeah. which there is oxygen so the and you pilot, don't need it anymore. 
the pilot just goes, oh, crap, well, they can burn their powder and we'll take them down. And if you haven't made it down in 20 minutes, chances are you're probably not going to, right? So you, only, <laughs> you don't need that much, you know? That's a great. Yeah, and, and so, so actually this technology, sodium chlorate, I started looking into it. It's quite interesting. So it's used on airplanes to, to, in these so-called chemical oxygen generators, but it's also used for in a variety of other places, including on nuclear submarines, spaceships, and other places where you might need an emergency source of oxygen. But the ones on, on nuclear submarines, <clears throat> they're typically colloquially called candles. So they have these huge drums of right. sodium perchlorate that are kind of designed in a big kind of spiral pattern. And they set them on fire like a candle, right. and they kind of close the door. They're all concealed, and they kind of generate a load of heat. It's an exothermic reaction, but it's kind of it's a slow burn. And they right. release kind of you know, something like um, 60 kilograms, they're about 100 kilograms per drum, and they, they release about 60% of that as O2, as, as oxygen. And so they're used in, if, if in, in case of any of the oxygen generating um, systems on both, um, on, on submarines, uh, go wrong. And Amazing. so they can, it's a backup. It was also used in the Soviet space program. You know, right. t typical Soviet technology, like don't need like, you know, technology of West, very complicated, you know, and you just, just whereas, powder, whereas they just- powder. <laughs> Just a bit of powder. Yeah, and actually there was Sprinkle a, powder. There's there's quite a, there's um there's a documented case in two thousand and when was it two thousand and seven where the HMS Tireless, which is one of the UK's well retired now, but one of the UK's first nuclear class submarines, um actually there was an accident with one of these sodium perchlorate um candles that um right. actually it kind of caught on fire and two sadly two um. Um, submariners lost their lives in that, which is why it was reported. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 kind of technology that kind of uh, that uh, is also also is quite interesting. The HMS Tireless was was the last mission it ever had. Remember back in two thousand and fourteen, there was that Malaysian Airlines flight that yeah. just disappeared. MH two seventy, it was MH two seventy. MH three seventy, very good, oh. Nick, very good. Um, but it was one of the last things it ever did before it got retired. Was was searching that that submarine was searching for. Um, the the airliner at the bottom and of the unsuccessful of the lonely nation. hunt through the ocean. That's another story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so so it's all so the kind of the activation energy. The same reason that a match doesn't burn off the um, uh, burn off the atmosphere is the same thing that's happening when you pull uh, when you tug your oxygen mask to start the flow of oxygen. Oh, Steve, I am. I've just. You're a professor now. Oh, yes. Congratulations. Thanks, Steve. Mate. Look at that. Yeah. 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 When we start when we started this crazy podcast, none of us thought we'd make it this far. No, no. We thought we were just waiting for someone to kick us I was, out of our for being silly. I was a lecturer. Um yeah. and you were what were you? A Royal Society a Research Fellow. Yeah, so it's been some time. Yeah. But we should do we should do a professorial podcast. I don't really feel now we're grown. I don't ups. really feel worthy, Steve. That's my problem. I don't feel I just worthy. Feel... I'm still waiting for someone to put their hand on the shoulder and go, "Who let this guy in?" It's really weird. He doesn't know what he's it's talking. Really about. weird. Yeah, I still feel like a child. Congratulations, mate. Well deserved. Uh, that's kind of you to say. Yeah, yeah. Take some convincing, but yeah, it's um, it's nice, isn't it? It's nice. Professors are an interesting thing because it means something different in different parts of the world. Like if you're in America, any old teacher, says, oh, I'm a professor, can't you? <laughs> and in Germany, yeah. it means like basically some kind of really <laughs> like what? foreboding senior old man. Oh, right. So, it, yeah, it's I, kind of scary. I feel like in human. Germany, it's got a bit more of a kind of oomph to it than in the UK. In, U in the UK, it's a job grade. Basically, it's a job. It's a grade. 
didn't used to be, but yeah, it yeah, is a job. Right, it's a pay grade. That's yeah. basically what it is. So, um, yeah. in in the chemistry department at Cambridge, there used to be three professors. There was one of inorganic, one of organic, and one of physical, and that was it. Yeah. Right, and so we had the cases where so so Ian Patterson, who's got a reaction named after him in all organic ter- ter- chemistry textbooks across the planet, wasn't a professor because there was a well there was a more important professor above him. Yeah, weird, isn't it? It's strange. You could that successful. Just go to America and become a teacher and call himself professor. Anyway, can we just move on from that? Um, <laughs> so I went. Doesn't like it. I went to. Doesn't like praise. I'll move to slagging him off. I went to. Uh, on the holidays, Steve. And one yeah. of the holidays that I had of the three different breaks was I went to the um, Purbeck, which is a peninsula. In Dorset. Exactly. Peninsula in Dorset, mm. just to the west of the Isle of Wight. It's a beautiful place. It's where um, What's Her Chops, Enid Blyton used to go and set a lot of her famous five books there. So sort of Heathland, Chalk Downland, Coasts, Mysterious Coves. It's very, um, mm-hmm. it's a really. Lots of fossils. On the Jurassic there Coast are, yeah, as well. yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. place. Um, less frequented than like Cornwall, but I'd argue just as beautiful actually. But anyway, I took my sister's kids and my sister and my brother-in-law. We went to a kind of water park thing, but it was like inflatables. But they also had this thing called a mud run. A mud run. Mud run. So we booked us into the. I didn't want. I didn't really know what the mud run was, but I booked us in to the mud run prior to the water park. Right. So I thought we'll go for the mud run. Get a bit muddy. That's kind of what I thought. And then we'll go to the water park. Anyway. Okay. The mud run is an assault course through mud. And you basically sort of crawl through tunnels and under rope things and jump, go down slides. Is it, is it, oh, is it very muddy? Very, I'm, I'm ve- thinking, I... very muddy. That's an understatement. <laughs> like puddles, 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 or like we we talking... What's the viscosity of mud here? Are we talking like viscosity of jam or vi- or viscosity of like chocolate? There are varieties. There are viscosities to suit all tastes. <laughs> <laughs> we went. We went to. Um, uh, yeah, we went to 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 this mud run, and, and some of them are like you know you go down a slide into a mud bath. So there's these massive mud pools, like, mm. and there's a sort of mud on the ground, and you know you're clambering through horrible mud falling over in the mud and it's it was actually have to say i bet the kids loved it didn't it was it was really good fun i found it a little bit tiring and also dirty and disgusting because you had your face in this mud and it smelled it it smelled like you did mud it smelled of of shit let's let's not beat around the bush there was a there was an odor of manure so i was kind of constantly thinking oh god i'm gonna like breathing clostridium difficile here or something i'll be crapping myself i suspect you're probably the only person thinking about it in latin nick anyway so one of them was this big slide and you went down the slide and then you crawled into this massive mud bath and it was a lake of mud oh my god it was really interesting you floated like i have never floated before in my life so you sort of lay because the because you're less, you're less dense. The mud, the mud's more dense because it's got stuff. That's in it. kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. So I sort of, uh. I was lying in the mud, and you, you know, like when you're in the salty sea, you're a bit more floaty, but you sort of notice it a bit, yeah. not a huge amount. In the mud, it was extraordinarily. You know, I was almost like you, almost sort of on the surface. You sort of lie back. You can right. put your head back. Nothing goes in the water. You kind of lie on it. This. All right. So I'm imagining you just like. Just bobbing like a like like a rubber duck. A little bit, but, the, but right. there was definitely there was submersion. Let's we submerge. You were sort of yeah. conventional floating, but submerged. So I started thinking about, it and I thought, oh, I don't really remember that. I mean, because 
when we were at school, everyone gets taught the Archimedes principle. Do you, mm. Have you heard of the Archimedes principle, Steve? That, that, that you, you displace the weight of water. That you, you are the weight of the water you displace. Um, yeah, something like that. Anyway, mm. so so I'll, I'll explain it in a second because I need to digest that. But anyway, Archimedes was this um, Greek dude. And he jumped in the bath and he shouted Eureka and then ran through the street, naked through the streets of Syracuse. That's the kind of the mm. picture that you've got to get in your head. It was the, the gold... That there was, that they were checking whether the crown was made of gold or something, some apocryphal story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The general principle of Archimedes is when you get in water, you get there's a buoyant force, so something that pushes you up makes you become less heavy, right? Agreed. You become yeah. less heavy. Yeah. And really, the, the 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 force that pushes you up, that's exerted on you from below, is equal to the weight of the water that you displace your body, right? So it's kind yeah. of what you just said. So. You, yeah. you lie in the water, you displace a volume of water, which is equal to whatever portion of your body is in, in the water, and you get a force pushing you upwards of yeah. that um, of that, um, that mass. So, you, so I'm about 80 kilos, so about, let's say about 800 newtons, and I float, don't I? You do. So that means the force, the amount of the density, the, the weight of the water that I displace must be greater than my mass, so it must be a little bit greater than 800 because it's pushing me up, Correct. Do you follow that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because water is more more. I think water is a bit more dense than the human body, at least when you've got your lungs in your body inflated. Otherwise, you wouldn't float. Otherwise, you wouldn't float at all. Anyway, so, and it's the same in the Dead Sea, right? So, if you go to the Dead Sea, it's a really really salty lake, and you know you read a newspaper in it, and um, the salty lake is full of salt, and salt water is denser than normal water. Right, mm-hmm. so that means that a smaller volume of water is required to get the equivalent force to push my body upwards. Does that kind of make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So basically, I'm more floaty. I get a bigger force pushing me upwards in the Dead Sea because the water's denser. So of course, when I went in the mud bath, I was kind of assuming, okay, well, what's going on in the mud bath? Because the mud bath is like water and mud, right? So what do you yeah. use for the density? Do you just use like an average or what? I don't know. Anyway, I got reading a little bit about it. Why don't well, you? Why don't it you speculate? Yeah, so I suppose. So I mean, the, the the higher question is, what is mud? Yeah, what so is mud? Mud's, you know, I know it's yeah. glorious, but apart from that, what is mud? <laughs> well, I suppose. I mean, so there's going to be dif- different parts of it. Some stuff that's going to be water. So it's a mixture of water and other. Yeah, stuff, it's water right? based. We you can know. agree that it's you know yeah. it's water based. Um, and I suppose, but the, obviously, there's some things that dissolve in water yeah. and there's some things that are not yeah right and so the cloud the, the you know we, so the the, the weight the, so let's imagine there's a, there's there's some sticks or stones in the mud now they're not dissolved in the mud so they're sat at the bottom of the the, the muddy they're lake sunk. and so they wouldn't contribute to the mat the density of the no mud. no i like your deductive reasoning here steve <laughs> it's uh it's good continue yeah um, and then there must be other stuff that is soluble. So if we imagine you were floating in pure water, we know that like when you float in the Dead Sea, there's more st- there's more salt dissolved in the water that makes it more denser and therefore a higher buoyant force. Yeah. So so if the mud, so the question would be: Is the mud is the stuff that's dissolved in the water sufficiently similar to the salt to the salt that's dissolved in the Dead Sea to provide a similar buoyant force? I don't know you can measure the density of mud just by 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 weighing it yeah. for a defined volume. Yeah. And then you can work out the density and then compare that to salt water. Do you use that? Is that what you use? 
for the density. To work out the density. Well, you, if you got the density, then you can work out the buoyant yeah, force. Yeah, mass over volume. That's so what you think that it's the average? So. It's basically the average of the stuff that's in suspension in the mud that you should use in your formula. No, in solution, stuff in suspension should be removed. From oh, so it's that just the dissolved stuff. So it's like salty water. Yeah, so basically, be. it's salty water. It must be. No, no, but it's other stuff. It's not not just only salt dissolves in water, does it? Right. Um, you know. It's all anything that's soluble. Okay, so any molecule like some sugar or something like that or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, right. So you think it's the you ignore all of the the, the particles in suspension. You ignore all those and you just focus on what's dissolved. Yeah, so, so, uh, which, yeah <laughs> it's I, really I, complicated. I mean, so I I spent yeah. ages. Okay, right. All right so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I, I think you don't include the stuff that's not that's not in solution. Well, I don't know. I don't think anyone. And it's really hard to get to the bottom of it, which makes me think. What is mud? <laughs> well, we we know a bit more about mud is but yeah. we don't quite know what contributes to the effect because like yes you'd think we've well, got particles in suspension like rocks and sticks right yeah. they just they just float they're kind of not cohesive they sort of float to the bottom sink to the bottom or whatever. yeah so i came to the conclusion that like you you're kind of finding the happy meaning so if you've got soil in the water it's kind of like a colloidal suspension isn't it so there's interactions between those particles each other and the water and actually in Archimedes principle it's the pressure which causes the upforce it's because the pressure is greater at the bottom of a submerged body than the top that you get the upthrust and a simple way to think about this is it's the same principle no, it's the weight of the air it's the air, it's the air pushing down <clears throat> on the liquid well the, that's how I think about it okay I mean I would argue that it's mm. the pressure of the, the, the it's the the air pressure yeah, the air it, pushes down on the surface of the liquid and you know yeah. there's a there's a density you 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 agree that the there's a, pr a pressure difference in the top of the liquid and the bottom of the liquid so the pressure is greater the deeper you go yes, yes. I agree with so that. that that's the principle of where you get pushed up and whatever cause yeah. that's fine we don't have to go into the detail yeah, yeah, of that. Okay. but just keep that in mind so that's what I was um what I was thinking, I've forgotten where I was going. Oh yeah, so so just going back mm. to that. So that's because we're your colloids because we're gravity, you know, and that, mm. it only works because there's gravity there. And another way of thinking about it is in a in a car with a helium balloon, you know, if you if you accelerate a car with a helium balloon in it, the heat it goes forward. It goes forward, right? Not backwards. It goes forward, yeah. and that's because that's of cool. the pressure. Because the pressure changes with the air. No, it's because the air sloshes backwards. Yeah, the That's pressure, it, but yeah, the pressure yeah, yeah. increases towards the rear of the car and decreases towards the front yeah. of the car. So therefore, there's a net pushing force because of the increase in pressure at the rear of the car that pushes your helium balloon forward, right? It's the same principle with the floaty thing. Anyway, so I, I, there's loads of stuff you can read about this. There's one paper which I found which is called What Buoyancy Really Is? A Generalised Archimedes Principle for Sedimentation and Ultracentrifugation, which is a paper from 2012, Highly cited paper. It's one of these papers mm. where they take a principle that everyone thought they understood, and they've said, "Well, actually, there's much oh, more I love to those. it." They're really good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I wish I could understand it. By the way, that's, a, that's our podcast all <laughs> over, isn't it? But this, I think, this applies to just a special case when you're trying to sediment out particles of different sizes. And what? So, so the question, the question is, does the does the colloid contribute to the density? That's the question. So that, that, and the, the paper yeah, okay. doesn't sort of goes a little bit towards addressing that, but it's it's kind of the paper. What what that one's saying is actually around a particle, you get some stuff excluded or attracted mm -hmm. due to interactions between um the particle and the the other things in solution you know the the other colloidal suspension phases, yeah. so the density changes locally but i don't think that's relevant for a big person like me floating in the mud bath i don't think that's what's happening agreed i agree with you i think what's going on is 
that you've got colloidal things in the liquid. There's attractive forces between them in the water. And because of that, they, you can kind of think of them as being cohesive, like a salt solution. You know, because you think about a salt solution, it's just charged particles, isn't it? They're just very, very small. And we don't argue yeah, that that's the, the, sol the solvation energy is well, why do things dissolve? They yeah. do so because they they the solvent molecules arrange around the sodium molecule, for instance, uh, uh, and coordinate. When you got in, when you got nanoparticles, it. you get these repulsive forces around them, and that causes density fluctuations in the vicinity of them. And that's the argument mm. by which these. Anyway, I don't think that's what's going on here, but it's really interesting. So I think that's probably it. But I mean. This is the sort of thing where I'm kind of like, well, I need some help on this. I've asked a couple of people already and I've had kind of like not really satisfactory answers. Well, I suppose you could filter you could filter it out, couldn't you? So if you wanted to weigh, if you could measure the, the displacement that, like you suggested, right? You know, exactly as you did it for you on your on, on the lake yeah. for your mud. Yeah. And then you could put it through a series of fine filters to take out Different smaller bits. and smaller particles. And then measure them. All the way down... And then remeasure the buoyant force yep. each time. And if you go down to a point that passes it through something that's smaller than the smallest particle and the, what the buoyancy force doesn't change, then it means that the colloid shouldn't be counted. And if it does change, then it should. Anyway, if you want to experience yourself, you can go to Mud, mud Run in Purbeck or you can go to a volcano in Colombia called Cartagena or Cartagena. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it. Heard of that? Why have I heard of that? Uh, it's a backpackery type place, but anyway, there's yeah. a big mud bath there, and it's quite deep. And I was reading an account by a backpacker who would blog it about it, and it said mm. the pleasantly warm mud gives you a strange buoyancy, even when you're upright and try to push yourself down. You can't, even though there's nothing but mud underneath. Regardless of height, everyone floats at around the nipple level. <laughs> I'd love to know the science behind this nipple phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> so would I, mate. So would I. Transplanting. That was a tour of um, more physics-y things this week, wasn't it? Yeah, no, well, at least at least it wasn't about fucking birds again. Like the last few ones you've done, just non-stop birds. You know what? I had a birdie one and then I I aborted because <laughs> I thought of you, Steve. Of the relentless mockery that you had received. I like birds. Very interesting a, creatures. There was, there was a... Um, uh, news on the BBC website the other day about some really boring brown gull that phoned over from Norway or something <laughs> that looked really boring. And I was like, who cares about this? And I was like, oh, Nick cares about this. I don't, I don't, I don't really, um, I'm not, that's not really, I'm a more, I'm definitely a part-time, just an occasional viewer. You know what I mean? I can understand it if they're like like a kingfisher or something cool. Like it's when they're when they're a boring Norwegian gull. Like you know, I think so. But I think like if you if you're a seasoned birder, a kingfisher's mm. easy pickings. You know, you can you can go and sit by the riverbank two days. You'll see a couple of kingfishers. I saw what I saw one in Finsbury Park the other day. A kingfisher? Are you sh yeah. you are joking me? Nope. They have kingfishers in Finsbury Park. Mm. Was well, it? I saw, there was one. Was it dead? 
<laughs> no, it was flying along. <laughs> flying along. Flying along the little aqua, the aqua, the aquifer. That's impressive. What time of the day did you see that kingfisher? Uh, it's a good question. It was kind of like toward like late, late afternoon. That's impressive. I see them around here mm. very rarely. So yeah, congratulations. Oh, you've, draw, you've drawn me into a bird discussion. Yeah, crikey. And I specifically said I didn't want to. They're very <laughs> exciting birds because they're so colourful, aren't they? It's marvellous. You sit by the riverbanks, it's extraordinary, extraordinary marvelous. flash of colour. the kingfisher? Blue, remarkable orange colour flashes the air into the water. Amazing birds. <laughs> anyway, so uh, mm. so Steve, that was fun. If people want to get in touch and try and explain this mud bath phenomenon, how would they contact us? Yeah. So the best way to do it is to contact us on Twitter. I'm at Steve the Chemist. I'm at the Evans Lab. Or you can tweet us directly on at the Science Shed. Um, please, um, if if you like the Science Shed and want to help us out. The best thing you can do is just tell all your friends about it and share it because there's all these people starting their podcasts and becoming phenomenally successful, earning millions of pounds, and Nick and I want to cash in, don't we, Nick? We've had enough of this. Now we've completed academia. All we want to do is retire onto our massive yacht from our big Spotify deal. And this can only happen if the if if the shedlings get off of their ass and share the podcast that we've got, been t- woken up extremely early to make for them. Absolutely, Steve. You tell them, mate. <laughs> you tell them. That'll endear them to you. <laughs> Just nag them. That's the way to endear a, a fan we, base, isn't we, it? Just moan. We love all of you. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye.